0: I want to talk to you tonight about changed lives. That's what this is really all about. shared a message with you Sunday. We talked about a church on a mission. That mission is to go and to make disciples. Let let me just put that in the simplest of terms. That's about changed lives. That's what the church is supposed to be about. That's what Grace Church is about is seeing lives changed. Not reformed lives, not rehabilitated, not just educated, you know, learning something new, but a new creation in Christ, lives that have been radically changed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, when it says a new creation, it literally means a new creation. Another translation says a new creature. Not the same thing anymore. Amen. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we receive Him into our life, we're not the same anymore. We're radically different. And sometimes, you know, I know that there are Christians that are not really living the life they've been called to and they need to learn, they need to grow, they need to really uh, get in all that God has for them. But we need to know that this gospel is a life-changing gospel. See, when it happens in your life, it's a miracle when God changes a life. It's not just religion, but it's something that God does. He changes us from the inside out. That we are no longer the same old people, but the Bible says we have a new nature. We've been changed. You know, there's a whole lot of things that you can argue in the Bible, if you want to. I mean, people do it all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, they'll argue about this and argue about that. And here's this passage, and this one talks about this. They want to argue back and forth. You can argue about all kinds of things from the Scripture, all kinds of doctrines and teachings. But I want to tell you something you can't argue with. A changed life. That's why we're supposed to be witnesses. We need to tell people what God has done in our life. You can't argue with a changed life. That tells people that our God is real. I mean, when the broken are made whole, when liars become truthful, when the drunk is uh, sober and serving God, when the drunk is filled with the Spirit, when the promiscuous become pure when the greedy become generous when the selfish become servants the drug addicts become jesus addicts that's changed lives got any changed lives here tonight hey we're we're coming for the rest of you just saying because i want to tell you god wants to change lives We are that church on a mission. We want to reach people. We want to see lives changed. And that's what's really important to God. So that's what's important to us. Amen? That people have a life-changing encounter with God and then they continue to grow in that relationship with the Lord. See, man-made religion and religious programs and all of those things. You know, people try to use things to change people. And here's the thing. Sometimes you can actually change a little bit of outward behavior. You know, you can pluck off some bad fruit. But what God wants to do is change the root. He wants to change us from the inside out. That's what He does when we become a new creation in Christ. It's totally different. It is a miracle only God can do. That's why Jesus says, you must be born again. John 3, 7, you must be born again. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we receive him, then the Bible says that we have the power to become the sons and the daughters of God partakers of His divine nature. What a miracle that is, that we are new on the inside. And I want to say again, I know some believers still live in too much of the old life, but that's one reason they need to stay in church. They need the washing of the water of the word. They need to keep growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, And we have relationships with one another because we encourage one another and we get strength from one another. Iron sharpens iron. You see, we need those relationships in the body of Christ for us to really walk in what God has for us. And most of all, we need to daily spend time with the Lord to pray and to read His Word, to hear His Word. Amen. We need that every day in our life that we continue to grow in the Lord. But here's the thing, the change comes from the inside out. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It takes the power of God. And see, when Jesus says, you must be born again, he's talking about something supernatural. And here's what I'm trying to get at here, is that yes, it takes the supernatural. God does that miracle part, but we also have a part in lives being changed. Can't do it just by the efforts of man, but we plant. The scripture says we plant and we water, but God gives the increase that we are co-laborers with him. That means that he's not going to do it by himself. We have a part. Co-laborers. That sounds like a little bit like work, doesn't it? And I want you to understand something, that sometimes there's work involved. A lot of people in our culture today, they hate the whole concept of work. Work is a dirty four-letter word. But I just want you to understand this, that when we see changed lives, when we see people's lives change, like it's a, it's a miracle how God changed them. It's fun work. But there are times when you are doing the Lord's work. You are planting. You are watering. Did you know that when you plant and you water, sometimes you ain't seen nothing yet? You keep watering. And God gives the increase. That miracle comes. But we get to be co-laborers with the Lord. We do our part, and God does the miracle part. Now, we're going to go to Mark chapter 2. It tells us about the miracle of a changed life and how it came about for one man. Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading from verse 1. It says, And he entered Capernaum, and after some days, it was heard that he was in the house. People need to hear he's in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. He preached the word to them. That's what people need to hear, the word. Jesus was a word preacher. There you go. He preached the word of God. But because Jesus was there, the place was absolutely packed out. There wasn't room, not room for one more person. We got some room, church. I want to tell you that we need to tell people that Jesus is in the house. This is one of the great deceptions of Satan that has taken place in the last 10 or 15 years about the church is that it's nothing special. It is something special. This is a holy place where we gather in His name and we worship Him. There's something special here. Listen, I thank God for the internet and being able to watch online. And when, all that's, when that's all you have, that you know what? That's a good thing. But I want to tell you, I've been home. I had COVID one time. I would have come, but I don't want somebody to get sick. And I sat there on the couch. During the worship, it just seemed weird. There's something in the room. It's different when we gather in His name. I want to say one more time. Listen, when that's all you got, that's great. But how much better it is. There's something in here. I hear people say, oh, it don't matter, you know. It's just a room, not when we gather in His name. And I want to tell you that when we believe that he's here, we'll bring people. We'll tell people. We don't need a big name. I've talked about this, but you know what? I'm going to say it again. We don't need a big name to get a crowd out. See, we get some personality. And a bunch of people will show up and we can pack out the building. Listen, the only celebrity we need is Jesus. That's all. I'm going to tell you, he's the life changer. He's the one that does the miracles in people's lives. People don't need to be entertained. They need their life changed. And Jesus is the one that does that. And when we really believe that he's here when we show up, oh, we'll bring people. We need to believe it. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic man who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified. God saying, we never saw anything like this before. That's a changed life. This man was not a beggar anymore. He was carried there, but he walked home. A changed life. Now, you see, people get so amazed about the physical healing that took place here, but we need to see what else happened here I don't know what sins this man had in his life, but I know that Jesus forgave him, that He removed the guilt and the condemnation, so that he could begin a new life. Jesus changed him. Listen, from the inside out. And what you know, we don't realize sometimes that before the body was healed, Jesus healed them inside and. What I'm trying to say to you is that you see a lot of the time people have a hard time receiving healing because of guilt. They know they don't deserve it. There's all kinds of heart issues that come into play sometimes and not just about healing but about other blessings from God. I want to tell you there is a need inside of every person that's much greater than healing the physical body or some material need. And Jesus is the one that does that miracle. And we need to realize how powerful that is. See, we got a message for the world that Jesus has already paid the price for your sins so you could be forgiven. That's our message for the world. It's not us against them. No, our message is to tell them about a Lord who died on the cross so that they could be forgiven. And I want to tell you, sometimes people, deny, they're in denial, you know. They blame others for their problems and they refuse to admit. But deep down, there is a load of guilt that has to be taken away. And only Jesus can do that. But the Lord changes lives. And we get to be co-laborers with the life changer. He does the miracle, but we have to do our part. In this story, there's three different people or groups you can identify with. The first is the paralytic. At one time or another, we have all been that one in need. We all need the Lord, whether we know it or not. We all need the Lord. And like the paralytic, deep down we're desperate for him. I want to tell you tonight, we all need a Savior. And if you haven't had your life changed, you came to the right place because the life changer Jesus is here tonight and He absolutely can change your life. There are some Christians, I think, identify with the teachers of the law. They're scoffers. They don't believe in the power of God. They don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in changed lives. They're just modern-day Pharisees. They stand back and they judge. They're more concerned about their religion and their rules than they are about people's lives being changed. The religious people, they didn't care about this man at all. It's still the same today. There's religious people that don't care about the hurting and about the bound, the sick, the down and out. I worked for a a pastor one time as a youth pastor. And one day, sitting in his office, he tells me, he says, people don't ever really change. He said, it's like a tree. You You can tie a stake to it and pull it over. But when you cut it loose, it always just goes right back where it was. That's the way people are. I tried to argue with him a little bit. I said, no, the power of God can change their life. And he said, it doesn't matter. They don't ever really change. Well, in the first place, I've staked a tree over before and it stayed. I mean, if you couldn't stake a tree over, you didn't do it right. But in the second place, if your gospel can't change anybody's life, you ain't preaching it right. Because this is a life-changing gospel. And our God absolutely wants to change lives. How wonderful that we get to be a part of that. Today, I want to encourage you to identify with the four friends. We all need friends like these guys. I mean, here in America, we have the the philosophy of the self made man. It's just kind of ingrained in us that we, we can do it on our own, you know. God helps those who help themselves. I don't need anybody. But the truth is is that we do need each other. We all struggle. We all hurt. We all need somebody to stand with us, sometimes in faith and believe with us, and sometimes even to believe for us. We all have a need for spiritual friends that can help us when we're down. And we need to be that friend to our brothers and sisters. But we also need to be that friend... To a broken and hurting world. These guys decided that they were going to take their friend to Jesus. Oh, that everybody would realize everybody needs a friend like that to bring them to Jesus. I mean, the place where Jesus was preaching is so full, they had to find another way in. They lowered him through the roof. We don't really know much about these guys, but I want to tell you seven things that are real obvious about them. First, they had faith. They believed. They would not have gone to all this trouble. They carried this guy to get there. First of all, carried him up on the roof. And Lord, they would not have gone to all this trouble if they didn't believe that something was going to happen. And I want to tell you that this is a big part of the issue with us getting people to church or sharing the Lord with people. It's that we got to believe that God will change their life. Because if we don't believe it, nah, well, we might try a little bit. But if we really believe that something is going to happen, what will we do? These guys had faith. And I'll tell you, I want to read the verse to you. I've already talked about it, but Jesus said, where there's two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. It's Matthew 18, 20. And I'm telling you, the the reason that more believers don't reach out to others is they don't believe that it'll make a difference. But these guys had faith. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. How did he see it? By what they did. Their faith had action with it. Faith without works is dead. We can't just say, oh, oh, I'm believing. No, we got to put some action to it. If we really believe, there's going to be some action with our faith. If we get them to Jesus, Jesus can change their life. Second, they loved this man. I mean, they must have really cared for him. What they did was such a selfless act. And this man, what could he do for them? But they love this man enough to go out of their way to... The time, the effort, the energy, the craziness of getting up on the roof and letting him down through the roof. Are you hearing me? These guys must have really cared about this guy. I want to tell you, we need to love people enough to do something. They saw a need in his life. Well, For him, you know, with him it was real obvious. Sometimes it's not so obvious. But everybody needs the Lord. Even the one that seems like they got it all together. They need the Lord. But if we love people, we help people. Galatians 5 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith works through love. Circumcision, uncircumcision. You know what that says is that a lot of times people get hung up on doctrine and rules and all this stuff. Listen, here's what matters faith works through love. That's how it works. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, it even tells us you can have all faith to move mountains, but if you don't have love, it's worthless. Faith works through love. And what these men did, I tell you, it was absolutely a labor of love. That love motivated them to do something. And if we love people enough, we'll be motivated to do something. Everything we do should be motivated by love or it won't bear lasting fruit, whatever we do. See, if we're not, if we're not motiv- motivated by love, we end up turning people away from Jesus instead of drawing them to Him. Right now in our world, there are hurting people all around us. We go by them every day. Some are brokenhearted. Some are just hopeless in despair. Some are bound by some sin or addiction. Some are just oppressed of the devil. They, don't, they can't help themselves. Some, of, some are sick. Some are just broken in some way. But I'm telling you, they all need Jesus. And in the church today, too much of the time, the attitude is, is, is that like we're against them somehow. No, they're the ones we won't bring in. We got to love those people. Jesus came for the lost. He was moved with compassion for them. The Bible says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. We need to be moved with compassion. We need to see how much they need the Lord. Jesus says in Luke 14, 21, Bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. If we love people the way Jesus does, I want to tell you, We won't let people's problems keep us from reaching out to them. But we'll be moved with compassion for them. Third, these were men of action. already talked about that they had faith with action, faith with works. But I just want you to think about this. They did something about this situation. I mean, you pray and you believe, but then you act on it. You do something. We can't just say we believe, And and expect their life to be changed, we gotta act on it. Can't just say we love people, we gotta act on it. And when you know, when Jesus says to love your neighbor, he gives us this story about the good Samaritan, and he says, Who showed mercy on the man? It was the one, it was the Samaritan that did something. Not the priest or the Levite that passed by on the other side. No, it's the one that did something. And We have to be people of action. i want to tell you, this is our part, you see. We're co-laborers with God. That means there's something that we have to do. And most of the time when God does a miracle, there's human action involved. Some way, somehow. Why does he say for the elders of the church to anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith? that the Lord will raise them up. Why does he say believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? Why does Jesus say, cast the net on the other side of the boat and there's this miraculous catch? Couldn't Jesus just go, in the boat, fish? They had to cast the net. Why does Jesus say, get the water pots and go fill them, or these big pots and go fill them with water? Can't He turn turn air into wine the same as water into wine? What does that matter? I'm telling you, most of the time when God does a miracle, there's something that He wants us to do. We have a part in that. Even if it's just bringing somebody to Jesus, that was our part in that. We just need to realize it. These guys were men of action, and we got to be people of action. Invite people to church. Talk to people about the Lord. Don't wait. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, yeah, well, someday, you know, when I got more time, we never get around to it. You got to be people of action. Fourth, these guys were determined. This was no small project from beginning to end. I mean, they didn't have a car. They didn't have a lift to get this guy up on the roof. It was an amazing undertaking. You know, here they go. They go to all this trouble to get him there, and they can't get in. Well, we'll just have to come back some other time. Maybe we'll just see. Didn't work out. Find a way. That's what they did. They found a way, they were determined. I mean, almost nothing in ministry comes easy. We have an adversary, and he is always fighting against us. And when you're dealing with people, ministry is all about people. When you're dealing with people, a lot of times, it's not easy. There's human wills involved. But here's the thing, we got to find a way to reach them. We got to find a way to get them to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, a lot of people, they would have just said, Well, can't get in. That didn't work. Let's go home. Not these guys. You know why? We go back because they believed. If we really believe, we find a way. I want to tell you, there's always problems and obstacles and trials. If you're going to do anything for the Lord and see lives change, there's going to be some opportunities to get discouraged and to give up. All ministry requires perseverance. I mean, things seldom go exactly the way that you think they will or the way that you plan. Anybody that ever worked in children's ministry knows that things don't always go the way you think they're going to go. I mean, I hadn't done a whole lot of it, but I remember the first time that I got involved in ministry, I was working with the the four and five-year-olds and Royal Rangers, the little boys. And, you know, I'm talking to these two, and I turn around and there's one climbing out the window. I mean, things just, you know, don't always go the way that you think they're gonna go. But here's the thing: you gotta find a way. You gotta be determined. You don't just give up. Because you want to see a life changed. By the way, just remember that average person hears the gospel seven times before they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You ask somebody to church, and they said no. Well, don't give up. Find a way. I mean, out of their determination came another characteristic. These guys thought outside the box, didn't they? The fifth thing that we see about these guys is that they were willing to do something different. Because they were determined, they found a way. I mean, it's a little unorthodox. Do you know Jesus likes that? Jesus was unorthodox. That's right. He did things differently. And that doesn't mean that we need to do, you know, just do different just to be weird. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, I, you know, I just want to say it's, it's not always about a new thing, but sometimes God does a new thing. But here's what we need to take away from this is that they found a way. I doubt that it had ever been done that way before. They found a way. Well, I've been inviting this. I invited this person to church. They don't want to come. Let me tell you, everybody likes a free lunch. They say there's no free lunch, but there is. When you invite your friend to church and you say, come to church with me, I want to take you all to lunch after Well, that costs money. Find a way. Find a way. There's got to be a way. Who had this idea? Well, it's all full up. What are we going to do? I got an idea. Let's take him up on the roof. We'll take some of the roof off and lower him right down, right in front of Jesus. Who had that idea? Maybe we need a little redneck thinking sometime. You know, a little problem-solving. Find a way. It's important. It's changed lives. Find a way. Now, I want to tell you, I think some churches are way too what they call seeker-friendly because they compromise the message. They water down the gospel that doesn't change anybody's life. But I also want to say on the other extreme of that is that church is not a club club. It's not just some, you know, spiritual thing for us and not for other people. A man told me one time, he said, he said, this is our church. If they don't like it, they don't have to come. I don't feel that way. It's Jesus' church, and He came to seek and to save the lost. And he wants us to reach them. He wants us to bring them in. These guys did what it took. Try something different. Sixth, these friends all worked together. At least on this event, there had to be a whole lot of cooperation going on here. I mean, they had one common purpose, and that was to see this guy's life changed. You know, here they are with these ropes. They're going to lower him down on his bed in front of Jesus. You realize they all had to lower these ropes together, right? I mean, it would have been a mess. Well, tilt him, there he went. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they had to cooperate with one another and work together. And I want to tell you something. When we're doing the Father's business, when we're doing what he wants us to be doing, we don't have time to fight with one another. We gotta be in unity. We gotta work together. And the enemy is always trying to divide, always trying to get Christians fighting against one another. We got a mission, we got something important to do. It's about changing lives, it's about reaching people. I don't think these guys were arguing about doctrine or clothes or the proper way to remove a roof. You hear what I'm saying? No, they were working together to see this guy's life changed. We don't have time for silly arguments or criticizing other people. I, I hear people all the time, criticize this preacher and that one. don't you use that time to talk to people about the Lord, you're not doing anybody any good criticizing preachers. Here's the thing. These guys all work together because it was too much for one guy. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We work together. It's a team effort. We all have a part when a life is changed. There are people that come down here and sometimes these lives are changed. But I want you to know has little to do with that guy standing up there preaching. That's just one piece of the puzzle. You see, from the time they get out of the car and they start into... Well, first of all, somebody had to invite them. That's probably the most important thing. Somebody had to invite them. And then there's the greeters that smile and make them feel welcome and the ushers that make them feel comfortable and the nursery workers taking care of the babies because I want to tell you, mama can't get what she needs to get if she's wrestling with that little one. And the kids, they're not just being babysat. There's changed lives happening in there. But you see, it's all of us together. We all have a part in that. We all have a place. We all have a, a purpose and we all share in the joy. Ephesians 4:16, "The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part does its work. We all have a part in this vision that God has given us to reach people. None of us can do it on our own by ourselves but we all have a place and a part in it. The seventh thing we know about these friends is that they saw the miracle of a changed life. What joy they must have felt when they bring their friend and they see his life changed forever. What joy. Heaven rejoices. And I want to tell you that churches that aren't reaching anybody, they have little joy. But church, we ought to have a lot of joy. Every time we see lives change, we see families getting turned around. We got something to rejoice about and be excited about, seeing God do miracles and changing people. Mark 2.12. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went. Out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. People were amazed. Jesus is still changing lives, and people are amazed when somebody who hung out in the bars is now calling them, saying, Hey, let's go to church. That's amazing. People are amazed when the guy who used to mistreat his wife is now the most loving husband and father. People are amazed when the one that just did what they wanted. It's my life. I'll do what I want. And now they live to serve others. It's amazing. I'll tell you, people are amazed when the rebellious teen- teenager now comes home and is respectful and obedient and honors their father and mother. People are amazed. I still remember being that teenager and going to my mom and dad and saying, forgive me for treating you the way I have and acting the way I have. God changed my life. And I want to tell you, it impacted my parents. And I just, I'm just telling you, people are amazed when, when that changed life happens. You know, there's people that are totally stressed out and having to take medication and stuff, and all of a sudden, they got the peace of God. They're changed. People are amazed. That person that's always been down and depressed, and all of a sudden, they got the joy of the Lord. People are amazed. The power of a changed life. Wow. God gets the glory when lives are changed and there's great joy in the church and in our lives personally it's all about changed lives and we all have a place and a part in it and I just want to encourage you tonight I hope that this message didn't come across like I'm, I'm getting on you about this. I want to encourage you tonight. Every one of us, there are people whose paths we cross that we can make a difference. We'll just plant and we just water. We just keep doing it. Keep, find a way. We just keep on being determined. We don't give up. We just keep on because here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a life changed. Believe. Believe. Stand with me. We're going to pray, and I'm going to let you go.